Hello and welcome to another special one-off Mad Axeman Army List, or Art de la Guerre Army List to be more specific, podcast. This time I'm joined again by um, Dave and Richard, and what we're going to do for you here is go through one of those armies that everybody thinks about, everybody maybe has, but isn't necessarily, or, or until now potentially hasn't necessarily been one that really kind of rocks it on the, the competition circuit, um, the Classical Indians. We're looking at a couple of lists here for the Classical Indians, talk about some tactics to use them with um, to try and make them into a slightly more interesting army than the, the slightly it-runs-on-rails standard way of using it. And also we then have a quick chat about some of the um, figures and ranges which are available for it. So sit back if it's an army you've thought about, if you've got that elephant fetish that, let's face it, we all do, this may well be the podcast for you. So um, let's just roll the podcast. This means war. Okay then, well look, welcome to another Mad Axman podcast on a specific um, Art de la Guerre army, an army list. This week I'm joined by um, Dave and Richard. I say this week, I suspect I'll probably release this with some other ones, so so to you it might be today and yesterday. Um, I'm again joined by Richard and Dave. So um, this week we're going to have a look, or this episode, we're going to have a look at the Classical Indians, which is one of those um, armies that, you know, personally, I've... Actually, it's my very first War Games army in what would have been fifth or sixth edition was um, classical Indian or Indian, um, as it was in the days of WIG when there wasn't any other history. And, um, you know, a wall of bowmen, obviously a load of elephants, very, very colourful army, but not the greatest army for, for using as anything else. And soon you get drawn into toolkit armies where, you know, you can recycle the figures. The Indians are kind of the Indians are kind of the Indians, although... Although, to be fair, with ADLG, there's a few more kind of later medieval-y, dark age type Indian lists than, than certainly there used to be in the days of, of WRG 5th and 6th and 7th. Um, but, but it's also a list that sometimes you look at and you go, there's kind of only one way to do that. And, or certainly I do, and, and look at it and think, is there is there a way of pulling this list together that makes it interesting to play? Because I've I've played quite a few opponents with it and and it sort of sometimes can feel like a, a list that can work on autopilot or there's an autopilot way to do it so so i think this week with um with richard and dave we're going to try and look at seeing if you know if there's ways of of making this a list that that is interesting and needs to be played um rather than necessarily a list which which could be a program scenario um that just kind of inches forward um so i think on, on that basis, it's an in, well. There's a lot of history covered in about five or six lines of, of description, with um, you know India having many emperors during the classical period, the Mariahs, and then the Guptas as well. But you know, it was a, a subcontinent of of competing empires and and huge amounts of conflict that that there seems to be a lot written about if you know the right sort of sources. But you know, in terms of the the backstory and the history of it. Um, I don't know, Richard. Have you um, is this one that you've you've researched or got a view on on a bit more of the history around? It's it's not one I uh, you know it's one of the ones I know le- least about. But I mean, I think what is interesting, as you were saying, is that um, it uh, many times in the history, it's a real patchwork of states 
And in fact, um, some of them are republics rather than kingdoms. And often it's the Republican states that made more use of chariots than the um, monarchical states, which tended to use elephants more. Uh, so that's a, you know, a twist you, you can put in there. Um, and with so many states, quite a lot of, you know, internal allies were used. And it was, it was a world, although it was aware of the wider world, warfare was, was largely confined within its borders until the advent of Alexander. And he has a huge impact on Indian psyche by coming in um, and being this successful, the first successful invader for hundreds of years. Uh, and that sort of, you know, resonates uh, on through sort of military mm. practice for quite a while. Uh, hence the rise of artillery. You have the Indo-Bactrians and all kinds of other lists that you, you can um, see in the book uh, that kind of touch upon India thereafter. Yeah, a lot of those later lists seem to move the centre of gravity of of where the empire is away from from i guess the heart of india as we see it on the map now and up into um, kind of the northwest and the borders of of what's now pakistan and and iran you know there, there just seems to be india sometimes included in a very very different geography um, than than the one that's known now from from some of those later lists well, you, you quite often get, uh, because of climate, you quite often get a more horse-oriented culture in the north and a more infantry and elephant-oriented culture in the south. Um, and you, you see that uh, in, in some of the lists ar around um, the Muslim Indians and the Hindus and the rise of the Tamils and, and all, of, all of those different factors that, that play in there. And, and right up in the north, in the early, where you've got the previous list, the Vedic Indians, which is where you have um, Indo-European peoples who come in on chariots at the same time as, from memory, you get the Hyksos coming into Egypt. You get another branch of that movement of people off the steppe, ending up coming down and settling in North India and establishing what are today recognized as some of the higher castes because they're of, often a priestly and warrior elite. And that leads to some of the basis of the, as I understand it, for, of the class system um, back in almost prehistory times. Okay, intriguing stuff. I so, think definitely the, yeah. the Vedics are uh, the early Marianu horse chariotry comes from the Caucasus into India at the same time as it comes into the Middle East and that changes Indian society. But I think in this period, as Richard says, this is a period of small states fighting interminable wars against each other until the advent of Alexander. And Alexander changes the whole dynamic. Um, yeah, so that, I think one so of the that, interesting uh, things, to, yeah. we often and talk about um, uh, death stars and I think this is the ultimate death star, aren't we? Yeah, and very it's, much. It's like yeah. A training. I think we, you know we we sit here every time we do a podcast and talk about Death Stars, and but some people might be listening and thinking, "What the hell is a Death Star?" and scratching their heads. This means war.
So I think the Maoris were actually inspired by Alexander to start unifying some of these states and forming this empire. And so um, the, the list I've, I've gone yeah, let's, for... Let's have, a look at, let's have a look at that list. So this is the, the Maoris. So this is the, the earlier option, the more textbook one, I, I guess, before you start getting... Well, I'm saying textbook because as someone who started collecting Indians in the days of fifth, um, I just think Bowman elephants and some very rubbish cavalry who've been almost the touchstone for rubbish cavalry throughout all war gaming lists in history. But, but this one you've got, so this is a big old list, 26 here. Um, you've got um, ordinary, ordinary, ordinary generals. They're all included. My Lord, that's unusual. Um, so Richard, talk us through this, this list, your first command here with, you've got an eight and nine and a nine. So it's all big stuff. How, how does this fit together as your Moriah, uh, Moria army? So it, it's, it's a funny one because it's partly the autopilot list you talked about. You know, by including yeah. the generals and making them ordinary, you are forcing yourself as a player to be very disciplined because you, you don't have the command points to recover. You've basically got to think through your plan at the beginning and almost execute it come what may and... and you know, hope that you've got a good enough plan. So the the basic essence is two flanking commands, which have a war elephant and some mixed bow sword. In the case of the first command, one elephant. In the case of the second command, two. That then has some bowmen, which initially can move with it. But if you need to get into combat you can commit the elephant with the mixed unit, certainly against foot troops. You can commit, you can choose to initiate combat. Whereas if you're facing mounted, you can choose to shoot. Well, I think if you're, isn't it you're facing mounted, you, um, you have to um, choose to shoot your, your mixed That's unit. That's what I mean. So, you so wouldn't want you, to, but can't as well um, initiate yeah. combat, yeah. So you have a response against them. It's not that you can't do anything. But against foot troops, if you want to pin them down, you have the option. Whereas if you only had bowmen, you wouldn't really be able to commit uh, anything voluntarily to combat. You'd have to wait for the enemy to charge you. So that's you why want, I've you got... Know, do you want, to, with this army, do you actually want to commit anything to combat? You know, I, I can see an elephant and then either side of it, two, two mixed units, which is effectively two mediocre swordsmen. Um, is that what sort of scenario do you want to commit that into other than against Dave's textbook two bowmen um, on their own on a flank or something? Well, the, the idea is you, you soften the enemy up with shooting, you know, so, so say, say you're, say you're facing a, a line of heavy spearmen, you would look to do one or two wounds on them. But the trouble with shooting is, the enemy can often rally up the losses almost as quickly as you can inflict them. And so there comes a time where you want to go in, or it may simply be that you want to put something in on the flank of the center command so that you don't give it too many odds of being outflanked. So, because that really is a fighting command. So it's not that you would, in every game do it because of course you've then committed the general but part of the idea is if you include the general um 
you know, I would include it with the elephant, uh, once he's locked in. So it's not about you will always commit, but it just gives you a bit more punch should you choose to do so. And by, it's like everything, every time you retain an option, your opponent has to worry about more than one thing. Mm. As soon as the enemy is only worrying about one thing, he can start to, to outthink you because you, you haven't got a different response to throw at him. Okay, so your, your medium swordsman, bowman, elephant, death star here is, is actually, it's only ever really committing in support of something or, or to push something yes. over the edge. It's not, these aren't commands which are designed to, to get stuck in. They are shooting commands with the opportunity to, to either support this central. So that's where this central command then, that now I'm looking at that, well, that's, that is quite different, isn't it? That's very different yes. to the rest of them. So that's, that's a very hard hard hitting i mean again i've made it unreliable on the basis that it doesn't really have shooting so i'm not going to lose out by uh, by it being unreliable most people are going to not want to make it reliable but but by putting it in the middle i make it hard for them to get at the two flank commands without activating that and i just save three points which i can use on something else accordingly yeah okay so that's, um, got, got, that's got two elite elephants um you've gone well they are all elite um the two guardsmen which are elite two-handed weapon you <laughs> there's no arguing with those and two medium swordsmen as well you've taken some of the um one medium, warriors swordsman. one medium swordsman on there so it's a it's a five wide double death star then um yeah but with a very strong like infantry screen um hmm. so that you know most opponents if you keep that close most opponents aren't going to be able to drive it off with their own light infantry um they'd have to commit something else and, and strong enough that you know it can fall back through the line when the time comes and provide some level of second line it can also it's strong enough to deal with if the enemy throws scythe chariots at you or something like that you've got enough light infantry to to protect the main force behind okay and then your your final command is effectively a mirror image of the the first one. Um, just Exa it's got, yeah. exactly. The only difference is it's got the extra elephant uh, fundamentally. Elephant. Yeah. Um, okay. And one less bowman as a consequence. The two flank commands have also got one of the weak uh, horse units. Again, they're there to do a number of things. You know, they can be thrown wide and around the flank they can be used to stop enemy horse um evading away from the elephants there's a number of things they can do but they're most happy just sat doing nothing behind the elephants where they're safe <laughs> <laughs> quite right so dave what you know um i'm well, i must admit, i'm looking at this thinking actually there is something there is a plan with this this isn't just a line of all the same that rolls forward and and pass the initiative to the the opponent um I've always found it interesting because I think Inyaki uses this arm. And when I met Inyaki, first of all, and fought this army, you think of it as a very passive army, but it can be very aggressive. That central command, the, the sort of core two Death Star with the elite two-handed swordsman guardsmen, that's, that can be a very aggressive command. And I think what you find is you've got a very large amount of width, which makes the horsemen, which you hold in the back, you know, helpful for getting round flanks. So you are moving forward with your bow fire to put pressure on the enemy, but you're 26 units. So you're going to be a lot wider in essence 
but then you use that center command as a strike punch to win you the game. Yeah. So here um, you've, you know, just looking at some of the things you've left out. Um, I think in an earlier podcast, we talked about side chariots in the, the Seleucid army. There's, there's an option for one of them in this army. Um, I think there's also an option for stampeding for those, herd, isn't it? For stampeding herd, there's also an option for two light cavalry javelin, which gives you an initiative point. But here you've got an initiative of zero anyway, so so I imagine that's that's almost part of the plan. Um, are, you, are you picking a? Are you aiming to lose the initiative here and pick forest or something? Or no, I you know I just ex- expect to. Um to lose the uh, initiative and, you know, I, I don't really care. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're doing the same sort of thing anyway, really. Y- yes, much. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and if my opponent comes forward, I've got enough shooting that he won't stay forward for very long or if he does, I'll roll up and hit him. Mm. So, but, but, but I'm just looking at the list now. I think probably I have one light infantry too many. So I probably would switch one of those four side chariots. Yeah. Although I, you know, maybe there's an argument for an extra light infantry in that first command and, and take well, no, I think, I, I think I may be, I think I may be one over the legal limit. Oh, well, oh you might have <laughs> too many anyway. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes. You've got seven. So I see yeah, so it's a slightly dodgy <laughs> list then. Yeah. Yeah. You're only allowed six of them. So yeah, that might be the side chariot or or the levy or something like that um, to, to yeah. drop them in. I think it's, it's all those it's all those elite war elephants which are going to win you the game, and they're a great toy. They're, you know, they you so, as Richard says, you soften up with the bow fire, you take the bow fire on, and then the elephants go in and wallop the enemy and give you the victory. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's um, let's move on and look at the gutter list. So then, this is the slightly later one, the 525 AD uh, Gupta list, and the, the Guptas come in after 320, and they're allowed, um, amazingly, some some decent heavy cavalry impact, um, proper ones, upgrade to elite. Um, the I'm just trying to look how many you're actually choosing there. You can you can have up to four. You've got got three of them here, Richard, in in this one. Oh, I see your initiative has snuck up to one. Um, very very bold and and this is a 23 unit army um you've got five eight and ten in here so so again talk talk us through these commands and how you see them working together and what's what's different to the previous one so um some similarities uh in that there's one uh com- if you take command two it's a couple of elephants supported by a mixed and bowmen so um, a six wide group that is mainly about shooting but has some melee uh, capability and basically can move up on the flank of um, the other two units and provide pressure and can equally hold a flank. Um, you've then got what would probably be the center command, which again has the war elephant um, with guardsmen. Uh, and this time two mixed units. So that has a bit of shooting, but also a lot of punch. And then 
the third command, which is very mobile. Um, and again, um, you know, I would consider having that with an included competent general to give it uh, a bit more command and control. But with only five, you know, it, it, it doesn't really need a lot of command or control. Uh, and again, that depending on the situation, you know, you would either send that wide, you might even flank march with it. Um, or if you didn't like what you were facing, that could be withdrawn into, it's small enough, the whole lot can just move into the center between the other two commands and provide a strong reserve in order to punch through any hole that the elephants make. And again... Yeah, well, three three companions there, um, effectively, you know, the same heavy cavalry impact elite. That's pretty substantial, isn't it? That's a that's going to be better than a lot of things in that it's going to come up against in a flank on the early theme. Exactly. So in period, you would definitely use it on a flank aggressively. It's just if you were in a more open period and or you know you were facing, say, a lot of heavy knights where you wouldn't want it to commit frontally, then you would use it as a as a support command okay and dave you know i'm I'm guessing you're um you're sitting here twitching looking at that first command going it would be much much better with um an ordinary bowman and a mediocre bowman in it in some way shape <laughs> well or you've form. got plenty of bowmen you've got plenty of bowmen elsewhere in the army right. um i think i would i'd be tempted to put the included general in the with the cavalry perhaps and keep the um one of the other generals out but I think there you've got, you know, you, you want to put the cavalry down on one flank where they're actually very manoeuvrable if they need to move to the other flank or something like that, and then have them working in combination with the guardsmen. So you've got one strike death star with the elite guardsmen, and you've got one fairly static um, death star with the Indian archers unit. So that one with the Indian arches is going to hold one flank while the other two go and do the damage. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is actually, yeah, a much more mobile thing. You're, you're right. There's a number of different aggressive elements. It's not that passive thing. And, and I think like you, I'm looking at it wondering whether there's just, even even you know, making that um, cavalry commander competent included, because that's a wash on the points and just gives them a bit more mobility, whether the... Um, whether even that second command or one of the commands, they're both ordinary included generals to get stuck in, but it would be a lot of a big swing on points. But whether you, you know, if you get up to a competent one, do you suddenly get more ability to maneuver those couple of archers on their own to do that Dave thing and support the heavy cavalry? Because this looks like something that I'm actually looking at this going, Oh, there's ways that you could combine this aggressively that maybe the, the command structure actually does need to, to is worth investing a few more points in because you've actually got some options to do stuff here rather than just chug forwards. I think, I think that's always true, but it's always the dilemma. Uh, it's, you know, one of the, you know, that, that you face with a lot of these lists is uh, every point you spend on command you, you, you lose on troops, but it perhaps allows you to have the right troop in the right place at the right time. Um, but at 23, with six light infantry, 
you know, you haven't got a lot of room for spare. Mm. Um, you, you, you've got a little room for spare. Um, but, and, and certainly, you know, you can always lose one combat unit and play with the command. It's definitely one, it's kind of those situations. In some games, you're really going to wish you had it. And in other games, it yeah. would have been <laughs> a poor use of points. But that's, I, I think it comes back to, what style do you do you want to play? Are you somebody who likes to commit their generals? Are you somebody who hates to commit their generals? There isn't a right or wrong thing. There's just knowing yourself and what are you going to feel comfortable with. Um, and, and I guess if, played, they're, if they're on an elite elephant, they're still pretty tough anyway, aren't they? No matter what they're happens. still pretty tough. Yes, and you know it's. Uh, I didn't used to include my generals very much, but I think in this kind of army, they don't have, I mean, they don't have a lot of punch. Most of the punch is the elephants. And so what you don't want is the elephant to get bogged down in a long drawn out battle. And including a general just means you're more likely to knock out the enemy unit at contact. Yep. And I think that's, worth the the and it's a hard unit to it's a hard army to turn to the flanks anyway mm. so my view is you 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 try and go for breadth yeah. and avoid having to turn and you try and apply a lot of frontal pressure so that your opponent doesn't have much time to to think about getting around you he's too busy dealing with the mass coming at him okay and with both of these lists then um you've avoided and dave i'm interested in your thought on this one this is a list that's allowed up to four um elite heavy chariot impetuous which is an awful lot more punch as well but is an awful lot of points and and gives you a different thing um and you know, the, the times i've played the chariots they feel scary but people struggle to support them but i don't know is it something that you've both looked at and thought there's you know they're lovely but there isn't a way of doing it or what's the what, is there a way of doing I, it with chariots i think when you see people with the four chariots they tend to put them down the middle thinking oh they're impetuous <coughs> and they seem to be left behind because people don't dare bring them forward so they cannot work um i played Iñaki in spain and he used the four heavy chariots and of course, my companions, who shouldn't have beaten him by any chance, killed all four of his chariots, right. even though I was leveled down and killed, in the process, I think, killed two of his generals, which was fun and games. So you, you're um, saying avoid the chariots because they get bad dice then? Is that your strategy? Yeah, exactly. That's, your That's analysis. one way yeah. of putting it. That's definitely a way of putting it. Um, I think the chariots combined with some of the other horsemen can be quite useful as well. Um, it, the chariots make it a very, very heavy banging i think is the way i just put it force with the, the elephants on either side coming forward but i, they te I don't think they tend to work as well and, and i think for me it would very much depend on the theme you know there are some themes yeah. where i would be very interested to look at the chariots um you know you know like a, a pre 300 bc or or whatever um as you get into to later <coughs> things you know if they're like at the end of the day, to take chariots, you're normally giving up on elephants. 
And yeah, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. It's a trade-off. And with, except with the chariots, they don't work with anything else you've got. So you have to have three or four of them to have a wide enough block. The nice thing about the elephants is they move with the foot. Um, and so I think that combination of, of foot and elephant is more versatile in, in more situations than the chariots. So I, you know, if, if I was gonna go for chariots, I might not start with the Indians as my choice of list. It's one of those. In, interestingly, I think actually the light chariot bow can also be an interesting choice. Um, because they give you, if you go for a small group of them um, in a command, they're not at all what people usually expect of the Indians. And they do give you quite a bit of mobile shooting. Again, they make an excellent flank march, or even as, as a small command, an on-table flank march. Um, so some, something worth something worth considering. Worth having a look at. Intriguing. I think there's another combination of chucking yeah. in the war wagons as well, isn't there? Because the war wagons can be something which people don't expect in this army. Yeah, with with war wagon bow mediocre, isn't it? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm not entirely sure they. Fun toy to, deploy yeah they, that would um protect your flank for some fairly actually they're eight points each but a couple of those would would give you a bit of a secure flank for quite a while certainly perfect. exactly two of them with you know what if it affects so you essentially with the end of the indian army you've got one static bow firing elephant command one strike elephant command and another elephant bow command and if you put the um war wagons in that can hold that flank which you're worried about where you've just got the Bofar elephant. And that frees up all your elephants to go forward and charge in themselves. You're spending 16 points on them. They're your strike force. They're the most, I think, well, apart from, yeah, I think they are the most expensive troop type in the entire game. And that's why you include the generals. You're not going to dither about whether to use your elephants. They're going you're in just doing it, and yeah. fighting. And if they die, they die and you lose the game. But if they yeah. win, they stomp straight through. So I suppose you're, you're almost trading off a couple of, well, literally point for point, you're trading off a couple of war wagons to to delay or give you a bit more cover on a flank when yeah. almost in reality, it's highly likely that someone's going to push around your flank and um, and threaten you and you might end up having to peel off an elephant to deal with that anyway. So if you, if you spend the 16 points on two wagons, you've kind of already committed to doing that. Um, or, or defending I think your there flank. comes a point in any game with elephants where... You know, it, you, hold, you hold the line steady as you go forward, keeping your Death Stars tight. But, yeah, there comes a point when... There comes a point in the game when your, your light infantry have all been killed by bow fire. I mean, if you're fighting a shooty cavalry army, their objective is to kill your light foot in front of your elephants, to get at your elephants and start shooting your elephants at a factor of zero. So there, might, there comes a point where the elephants go for it. And, you know... Your objective is to get enemy cavalry on the back foot, running away from you and keep them going in that way and exploit that as much as you can. And I think this list with the three horsemen, you know, if they hold one flank as the elephants go forward, pushing things before them, then their speed and manoeuvrability is going to finish off the other opponent's army. Okay. Interesting. Well, look, I, th I think I'm, um, I'm, 
I'm toying with the idea of actually upgrading my Indian Ally command to a proper army now. Um, now that I've seen those ways of actually playing with it constructively, or more constructively than than perhaps I've I've seen sometimes. Um, you know, when people have played against me um, with with this sorts of army, I think you know the chariots are always a pain in it, whatever to actually assemble and put together, aren't they? If you're actually making <laughs> them, um, so so deciding all fits onto a base. They all fit onto a base. So deciding that they're not the best troops is maybe not um, not the end of the world. But but picking up a couple more um, elephants, I guess. This means war. My my elephants are um, some of the very few tin soldier. You know, tin soldier are wonderful troops but very difficult to mix with anything else but their indians are or certainly their injured elephants look really quite pokey um quite quite dangerous but um but i think they're all a bit monopose which is a shame um so i end up with i think um elephants from tin soldier and then i've got some of the old um pre-z range museum bowmen and and swordsmen and stuff like that and then i, I think i've been thinking about painting up some proper cavalry for that one allied contingent of medium cavalry that is mandatory for quite some time and never really got around to it. But, but I guess it's, you know, is it difficult to look past the, the new museum Z range or is this a, a one where there's, there's other people as well? You know, Zeiston, I think have got some, some uh, decent my, troops my, in this. My Macedonians are all Zeiston. So I started with that army and then I found, you know, with the Alexandrian and Macedonian army, you've got the option of having an Indian ally, which yeah. gives you the, you know, you've got two elite elephants and you've got two elephants in the Alexandrian army. So you, your Alexandrian army turns into an elephant army. And once you've done that elephant, the Indian ally for the Alexandrian army, you sit there and go, well, right, I'll turn it into an entire Indian army. Yeah. And that just appears in front of you. The Zeiston elephants are beautiful, really beautiful. And I think once you've done that, then that develops into the other armies like Ghaznavid, uh, Hindu Indian, and you know you, you start to discover your Indian mojo. <laughs> That's the word. Is it is it really fair to use? Um, you know, I'd say let's, let's call them classical Indian infantry and, and elephants <laughs> for some of the later period Indian armies, or would they? You know, is there a sense that they all still dressed? I combine them up reason. with uh, combine them up with Indian, uh, sorry, with Arab cavalry and Arab infantry, and that it goes for the Hindu troop types. And that the Hindu army is quite fun because you can you've got impetuous heavy cavalry. Who, if you're fighting in an Indian in an elephant battle, you can dismount them as impetuous heavy infantry. Sorry, medium, medium infantry, swordsman. impetuous with armor and elite. Yeah, which is pretty. Which tough. is a very interesting and useful troop yeah. type. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in large parts of the world, the, the the lower social classes tended to have fairly consistent outfits over large time spans. Well, so, certainly you know, they do in many Western, of my armies, yeah. Yeah, in Western <laughs> Europe, you know, a sort of loose trousers and a loose tunic, you know, yeah. co covers you for about a thousand years, um, yeah. you know, or bare legs and a tunic covers you for another thousand. Yeah. And I think in India... Um, you know, you can use some of the troop types um, for long time spans. It's it's more things like the cavalry and to some extent the elephants where you perhaps see more 
styles of dress change in you know in the riders of the elephants um but but you know i think most people as well as as long as it's clear what it is you know most people are fairly tolerant mm. of uh of things standing in i mean yeah. my figures are mostly the older museum range yeah. um i particularly like their their gupta cavalry um mixed with some minifigs and some essex um, but I've just bought some of the new museum ones because I quite like those two. Some of the, particularly the command figures and the the command elephants to yeah. to just freshen up uh, the mm. army and you know provide a bit more variety. Yeah, no, I think it's um you know there's a lot of options for for picking that um, or, or picking different troops for this one, and I think you know what we've discovered there's actually some options for for making this an army that you play rather than an army that you know, you wind up and set off to go. Um, you know, and it's a different thing that that philosophy of saying, I'm taking the decision that I'm just going to stick all my generals in. Um, it actually is the right way to play it with this one. And, and that bit about winning quickly, which again, kind of drawing parallels with the, the discussion about the Seleucid list, there is still a legitimate approach of go narrow, go in, go hard and try and break the enemy before they can do anything about it. And, and I guess this, you know, the Seleucids have got pikemen doing that. Um, this has got an army that all goes forward at three. Um, it gets there even quicker. In, it's in a very ways. quick so, army. Yeah. yeah. So um, not, not worrying about flanks is a thing. No, exactly. I think the one thing about it is that, um, you know, you can often run out of pips in the situations where you want to move short and you don't have the pips to do it. And although the elephants are very tough, a lot of the rest of it isn't, and therefore you do need to rely on advancing briskly to bow range and then shooting a bit and then getting stuck in rather than just charging. Right. And it's that timing when you go from shooting to closing that is probably the critical decision you make with an Indian army, in my view. So if, so if you're playing against it, they are likely to stop um, short of contact and, and hope for two or three turns of decent shooting against you, which is, which is your opportunity to, to work their flanks, knowing that they're not quite tough enough to come in unless you've taken some hits. Exactly. I think one, so... command, one command will come forward, pin and shoot, whilst another one moves past. And then your objective is to get the enemy commands on the run from your elephants and then you're moving three as you say and then you keep the pressure on and people have to run away from you yeah i, I think that's why I, I think that's possibly why i'm i kind of like the look of that that command in the mariah one that almost doesn't have any shooters it just is a get in stuck in there that but, that's the strike that's that's but, the real but that pins that. that pins the enemy down um because it can just get stuck in whereas the other other two are able to sit back but yeah you're not you're not sitting back all the way along the line you can actually just take the battle to them and and cause the, the focus of attention where there's actually a lot of fighting going on the command yeah. with the guardsmen either wins you loses you the game yeah that's pretty much it well, i think that's um i think that's probably covered as much as there is to cover in the indians actually we've got a couple of different lists we've talked about the chariots we've talked about the wagons we've even talked about the stampeding herd and um, and we've got some ways to play that, and and also had a quick run through of some of the um, more choice 
selections of figures to do. So, Richard, Dave, thank you very much. And um, we will we will reconvene no shortly and, and pick on another list. <laughs>